This is KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. We also stream live at kzyx.org, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. Well, I'm Alicia Bales, and I'm live in the studio today for our live Q&A with Dr. Andy Corrin and other members of the county's coronavirus response team. Good afternoon. Today we have Becky Emery of the Department Operations Center and Adrian Thompson of the Vaccine Task Force. Thank you both. Is Dr. Corrin on his way? Yes, he is. Sorry. No worries. I know I I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. It's our most oft repeated line these days. You're you're on mute. Um, but anyway, glad you're here. And when uh, when Dr. Corin arrives, we will get him into this conversation. But Becky, you handle a lot of the nitty gritty. And uh, I have some questions about the nitty gritty that I would just like to, to start with before I open up the phone lines, which will be very soon. I want to try to get as many questions in as possible. Um, but one thing we've noticed in the last couple of weeks is that uh, the county puts out a dashboard every night, of course, with our current test numbers and or case numbers and uh, numbers in quarantine and uh, all of that stuff. The Recently, in the last few weeks, the pending test numbers, the numbers of tests that we're still waiting for results, have disappeared from the dashboard. So wanted to know how that decision was made and whether or not you will bring back that pending test numbers from, from the dashboard every night. Thank you for asking, Alicia. Uh, We removed the numbers because we've redirected our staff. The state is tracking our pendings uh, and they're tracking also the the negatives. And so they post the negatives uh, very clearly for the community to see on this state website. Um, And so we redirected those staff to other tasks, including our call center, where we felt there was a much more urgent need. Uh, So at this time, we're not planning to reinstitute that because um, as the, the time goes by that we are not tracking that, it, it would be a, a much larger gap to try and um, close later. So uh, really Got looking it. at the best use of our resources and available information. So if people want to find the pending test numbers for Mendocino County, they can go to the state's website? So the state posts the negatives. They don't post uh, those pending. Okay. So, hmm. so we basically, that's not a number that we can find out at this point. That's a number we've had to let go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, just curious because when we're talking about our positivity rate, knowing the numbers of tests that are happening in the county helps us make sense of the positivity rate. That's this percentage. What are we at? 6.9% or something like that right now out of how many tests, right? So... So the state does get the information on how many tests that we administer um, and whether they're positive or negative. They do have that information. So they're just not posting it for everyone. All right. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll continue this conversation. Put a pin in it. Um, the other question, since you're here, Adrian, I'd love to ask you, uh, we heard today on the briefing that just happened that uh, the county will receive 975 Pfizer vaccines uh, doses of Pfizer vaccine next week, which is exciting. And I, boy, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that conversation between CEO Angelo and the state. Uh, glad she's on our side. Um, where, where are those vaccines going to be administered next week? Thank you. Yes. So we will look at dividing equally amongst our clin- clinic partners as well as ourselves, And that allocation, as long as it's first doses, 
And second doses, we'll need to make sure that we can accommodate those second doses, which would have already been distributed to various places um, like RCMS and uh, Anderson Valley, Long Valley, those sorts of places. So it depends on what that delivery is, if it's first doses or second doses. And I'd need to check the order status on that. But of course, we are ready to go with our next mass vaccination event inland and hopefully sponsoring another one in another location around the county, wherever that highest need may be. We would talk to our partners, but we'll keep you posted. Okay, so what's the time and place of next week's mass vaccination clinic? Right now, the only thing I have scheduled is a second dose Pfizer clinic on Wednesday, the 27th. And we're working on organizing a press release and an online scheduling venue to allow those appointments to go um, on their own and not have to be called or reach out to people and make sure they have their own ability to check schedules and come in and see from our website and press releases. And sort of pre-sort themselves into their tiers? Well, these would be second doses. So oh, right. They've already gotten be, it. Uh, tier either sure. one, two, or three of phase 1A as well. I don't believe they would be in 1B yet. So this is just people from the first week of January. So it's going to be all phase 1A people in those tiers. Okay, so next week you're looking at administering second doses. And I know the answer to this is no, we have no idea. But any clarity about what's happening the following week in terms of uh, your expectation of the state uh, and the number of doses we might be getting? No idea. But we do have second dose Moderna that week (laughs) from people in the beginning of January. So that first week of February, we do need to administer second doses of Moderna. And so we know that will happen. And listeners who need that second dose, you know who you are, right? <laughs> if not, we'll check the website. Yeah. Okay. Um, very good. There's one other thing. Uh, welcome, Andy. Dr. Corin. thanks for joining Hi. us. Great to see you. We're going to open up the phone lines and let people call in and, and ask you questions. But uh, one sort of big, big news item that's happening in our household and in many households across the county is the prospect of, of schools reopening. Uh, we had an interview with the Ukiah Unified folks on Wednesday night at 7 talking about their preparations. I mean, we're talking tons, literally tons of PPE, hundreds of gallons. I think it was a thousand gallons of hand sanitizer. Just they are really mobilizing and, and preparing for this reopening. What is public health and you, you in particular, what are your what's your role uh, in the schools reopening? Do you have to do you have to help them with their planning? Do you have to approve uh, their their written plans? How's that going to work? Well, first of all, um, we're really making a push on trying to get all of the school employees and teachers vaccinated. It's going to be a very big focus in the next week. And we've done very well. Uh, we've gotten somewhere in the range of 70 percent of the school staff. Um, vaccinated, which we're, we're very proud of, and it it, uh, it shows the coordination we have with our partners. <clears throat> um, the and other that's thing inland that and on the coast, right? We talked to Ukiah, so oh. we heard that they were up to 78% of their staff vaccinated, but you're also working with school districts throughout the county. Yeah, we're, we're really focusing on that to try and make it easier for them to open. Um, the uh, the other thing, they have to, to uh, complete certain uh, challenges that are put there by the state. Um, and the reason for those is so that everybody is really comfortable that it's safe to go back to school. And that is to assure not only the parents, but the teachers and their, you know, that they and their families will be safe. And, you know, there's a lot of research that shows they will be relatively safe, uh, but they want to be very sure about it. And it won't make a whole lot of sense if we open the schools and there's no teachers or staff to teach. So, 
Part of this is vaccinating. Another very big part that is uh, new for everybody also is getting testing on a regular cadence. And so with uh, we're, we as a county don't have the highest um, rates of uh, cases. Um, and so they'll need to test regularly once a week. This is all the staff. That's a big jump. And uh, it also depends on how many of the staff will actually come in. So we're trying to uh, to give them technical assistance on how they can do that. Um, usually it's done with uh, PCR tests, which are very accurate, but also very expensive. And uh, this week we're just discussing the possibility of bringing Binax now, which is an antigen test, uh, doing surveillance with that. And that might be less expensive, more immediate results. We're using it in skilled nursing facilities. We've used it in the jail and it's being uh, recommended in other parts of the country. The CDC has written it up. And so there are ways to do this. We have uh, thousands um, here in, in the health department to use. It will take tens of thousands to do it for all, this, for all the teachers and the staff. Actually, if we go to a Binax Now formula, it'll be each person twice a week uh, in order to make up for the slight loss of sensitivity. So that would be the protocol. And we have to work, we have to work through that. They will need uh, a lab to sponsor their doing it. So really what I'm doing is more technical assistance and uh, informing them how to do it. And we still have a ways to go on that. When they have um, had their schools um, outfitted, uh, I believe that they will write up their plans and I'll get them just like we had waivers before. Um, and they'll have a, an attestation that they've uh, completed all the parts of the recommendations from now it's not only the California Department of Health Services, uh, but it but it is also um, Cal OSHA that's involved. And um, so they would write up their plans. I get to look at them and uh, I will pass them on to the state there. I will look at them for any significant egregious errors, uh, but otherwise I want them to open and I think that we'll, you know, we'll make sure that they go through. And part of what we're doing now is um, the health department has a school's liaison who's been actively uh, going through the schools and, and the administrators and so on. And uh, where we can give advice, where we can make suggestions about fixing this or that, uh, Lisa has been very involved. So those are the areas that we're mostly involved in. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines for our listeners. Uh, again, I really want to thank you for coming on KCYX regularly. It's it's incredibly valuable to be able to uh, allow people to ask you their questions themselves uh, in their own words, because I know there are a lot of people with a lot of um, concerns in the county. So the number here in the studio is 707-895-895. 2448. That's 895-2448. On the line with me is Becky Emery of the Department Operations Center, Adrian Thompson of the Vaccine Task Force, and Dr. Andy Corrin, Mendocino County's Public Health Officer. Let's take our first caller. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hello, caller. You're live. Hi. I was calling about any recommendations with school openings for households that have newborns, seven-year-olds, and elders all intermingling together on a daily basis. Um, the elders are on their way to being vaccinated but are not yet. 
Um, any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. Well, we want to make the schools opening safe for everybody. And uh, so if you have school-aged children, um, there may be a slight risk to congregating within school, but actually the, uh, the illness that comes from that has not been shown to be uh, significantly high. I would uh, go uh, agree with what the caller is saying about getting their elders vaccinated. That's important. Uh, in communities that have had their schools open, there are not significant outbreaks around the schools. There are some, um, but they're not a huge amount. So I, I wouldn't give any more uh, sense of fear about sending someone to school from that kind of a family. But that is an issue because we have multi-generational families in our community. And I would, uh, I would make sure that the other members of the family, the employed adults, are not hanging out together in break rooms and, you know, congregating in that way and bringing it home. Because that's more common, the method of transmission. All right. Let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hello? Hello. You're live on the air. You want to turn your radio down. Yes. I would like to know the website. Um, Hello? Yeah, caller, if you turn your radio down, you'll have an easier time and we won't be hearing the echo. Okay, hold on. Okay, put on a little waiting music. Come on back, caller. (laughs) So, I would like to know the website for the vaccine. Good question. So, I'll tell you what I do. I go to the county website. I put in Mendocino County COVID. Usually gives me an option to go to the to the co- to the Mendocino County website and actually brings me to the COVID website and from there you can go to the vaccine uh, uh, link. Becky, do you want to add anything to that? More specific. Uh, more specifically, the website is mendocinocounty.org forward slash community forward slash novel dash coronavirus forward slash COVID dash nineteen dash dash vaccinations yeah or there's just a banner on the top of the mendocinocounty.org website you can just go there and then you can go to uh, you can click on the information for coronavirus and then there's a there's a side menu on the left hand side uh, for coronavirus and at the top it says uh, vaccine that's correct and we are working to add a button so that people will be able to access it much easier off their cell phones Literally, it says COVID-19 vaccinations, just so if you're looking for it, that's that's the, the name. All right, let's take another call. Thanks for that call, caller. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, thank you for the show. Uh, the lost tribe of this county are us elders with no Internet access, and nothing seems to be changing. You have to make a test online. You have to sign up for the vaccine online. And if you don't have a friend that will do it for you with a computer, you're kind of lost in the wilderness. So I don't know how that could be fixed. But anyway, I'd like to put that out there. Um, I have a question. If you already had – I had the first vaccine last Sunday in Guala at the community center through RCMS. Do you have to make an appointment for the second vaccine or without a computer? Will they, they do not do phone. It says they will contact people by phone if you don't have a computer, but I have never been contacted by phone for anything regarding the virus. 
And then also, it was Moderna, so it's supposed to, uh, four weeks is supposed to be the 14th of February. Do you think that they will have the Moderna vaccine in four weeks for us? You have to take the same one that you had. Okay, the first and second have to be the same drug. And uh, my last question is, Becky mentioned there's a new phone number, but she didn't give the phone number. Thank you. I'll hang up and listen to the radio. Thank you. Thanks a lot. So thank you very much for that feedback. In your questions, you need to obtain your second dose at the same source that you received your first. So given that the caller has stated she uh, received it at uh, Redwood Community Services, uh, or RCMS, excuse me, RCMS, uh, Redwood Coast Medical Services uh, Clinic, she will need to uh, get her second dose through one of their events. Um, We are working to get the vaccines to all of our partners as they have received. Of course, it will depend on the state's ability to provide us with uh, access to the Moderna and what their access to that is. So certainly we will be working for that towards that effort. Um, as to the caller's other question of uh, how to get uh, scheduled for that, she'll need to contact the clinic because again, you need to go through the same source that you um, you got your first dose. Uh, and I apologize for not giving the phone number earlier. The phone number for our vaccines is 707-472-2663. And the phone number for the DOC call center is 472-2759. And we are working to merge the line so that those calls will both go to the same call center where we have lots of people that we're trying to um, utilize in effort to uh, address everyone's needs so thank you very much for that feedback so those will be the the, both of those numbers will still work they'll just go to the same place now that's correct great oh the other thing i heard you say during the briefing was that you wanted to do some expansion into radio to reach people who um, who don't have access to internet, which in our county is a substantial number of people, we are happy to do that. We would love to have expansion into radio with KZYX. We'll we'll, do, we'll work with you to make sure that uh, people can get that information without having to be on the internet. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Little plug. Okay, let's take our next call. This is KZYX, and we are live on the air with Dr. Andy Corin, Adrian Thompson of the. Uh, vaccine Task Force, and Becky Emery of the Department Operations Center. Go ahead, caller. What's your question? I'd like some clarification about um, how you best register to get the shot. You know, some people say you go to the um, your, your primary provider. Other people say and there's happening at the fairgrounds. It's happening at the hospital. And I don't know quite where I should register to get my name on the list to get my shot. I'm over 65, so I'm not a primary now, but it would be nice to know where I should be putting my name. (laughs) So uh, I appreciate that interest. At this time, we really want to encourage, especially individuals who have um, their own primary care provider to wait and be patient that the, we're working through those efforts with, um, especially our local clinics have asked that rather than asking people to call them, that they, they give us the opportunity. They're pulling their electronic health records to identify those individuals and um, reach out to them. Uh, and so I know it's a, a very challenging process, but I want to encourage everybody to be patient and that um, especially, uh, as I said, if, if you're with one of our local clinics, they are reaching out to those individuals. Uh, if you do not have a, a primary care provider 
or uh, one of the local clinics, then certainly, you know, the county is working with um, the clinics for public uh, clinics as well, where they're allowing people to come to some of them. Others that we have partnered with the hospital, of course, for some of those opportunities, and of course, the county events. Um, so there's there are opportunities. We do try to make sure that when we're moving through the tiers on those opportunities, we're making those known to the public. Um, as this event is going to expand, especially as we go into that tier of those individuals that will include 65 and over, um, we will be uh, increasing those uh, opportunities in our collaborations. So certainly stay tuned to our KZYX radio. Thank you so much. And other places uh, that we are putting out that media information, uh, be it Facebook, our website, and throughout our community because we certainly want to help keep our community informed. So thank you so much for asking. Well, I'm still unclear. Um, can, can, are you still on? Am I still on? You are. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm still unclear is because, you know, there's the, the new um, supervisor's website, and they say sign up there, and then you can sign up here. So am I to understand that you'll be reaching out to me, or I just need to pay attention to an opportunity to get in line somewhere someday? So it depends on your health care provider. Uh, depending on, as I said, if your healthcare provider is a local community clinic, um, they will be reaching out to their clients. They have asked that their clients be patient and that they will reach out to them. Okay. Um, if you're not, then I would suggest uh, certainly that you watch the COVID-19 vaccines website uh, for the county and look for those opportunities. Okay, thank you. All right. That's a that's a great question, caller, and it's one that everybody is uh, everybody has, uh, especially as we hear news about clinics happening around around the county. And you know, for those of us who are way down in the tier system, it's like, well, how do I get in on that? You know. Um, so, what I understood you to say, Becky, is that if you have if you're with one of the local community clinics, like Anderson Valley Health Center or Mendocino Coast Clinics, or like the caller who just called in RCMS down in Wallala, um, they they really are going to call you. But what if you want to get in on one of the public health clinics that Adrian, you and the, the task force are organizing? Is You said during the briefing that you were putting together a sort of a, a waiting list. Is there some way to contact the county and get on that list? Or should people go on to Ted Williams' new, new website? Or what's the best way to be proactive about it? So the county site is not necessarily a wait list. What we're working on is an online appointment scheduler for when we have an actual day that's designated for those clinics. I know that uh, we are working with Supervisor Williams and Supervisor Mulherin, and the public can certainly register there. That doesn't link to an appointment scheduler on our website yet, but we are getting that data from the supervisors, and we can use that to schedule where there's gaps. But I just want to be clear for the public, it doesn't automatically give you an appointment at a date and time in the future, and you do have to qualify in those tiers. So I don't want any frustration on, you know, I signed up and I thought I had an appointment. The supervisor's page is more of a, a list to pull from, so it can be used to create appointments, but it's not a scheduler. And then what the county's page will have is an actual appointment scheduler that's open for a specific day with a specific number of time slots for vaccines available to be administered on that day. All right. So as you said, patience as these things get up and running, but there will be other ways that you can yes. plug in and sign up and get on those lists. We're trying and we're trying to create things for people that don't have Internet. So we're, we're thinking about workarounds. 
All right, let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hello. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking we've converted something really simple. It's kind of like rocket science. It's everywhere I turn these days. It seems like I'm uh, on a computer test. Um, I heard the, a, a professor from uh, San Francisco the other day say that he thought, it, and at some point when we get the, the priority groups out of the way, is there some chance that you could just show up with your driver's license? I heard something about there being a 40-minute uh, sign-up period when you go in for your vaccine. I mean, can we just start with the old people and you just show your driver? I mean, I, I'm, I'm 65. I'm really tired of proving who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a lifelong process. It, it is. I've been, you know, I, you can ask 10 people, they tell you. <laughs> All right, Dr. Corin. Is there any chance that at some point it'll come to that where we can just line up and show our driver's license and get a dang shot? Yes, it very well might. Uh, in fact, uh, now the uh, at the federal level, <clears throat> some major pharmacy companies are, are lining up to try and get contracts uh, to be able to give it at your pharmacy. Now, the vaccines that we're giving now are free, and hopefully all the COVID vaccinations will continue to be free. Uh, but in order to get the vaccines out to people in a way that will protect their communities the fastest and the most efficiently, uh, the state has uh, uh, has looked through it with their, uh, it's true, rocket science uh, technicians and, and epidemiologists and uh, and figured out that who are the people who wind up in the hospital and are at the highest risk are the most vulnerable and those people should get it first, those people who are in nursing homes, long-term care facilities because they're so frail. The other group is a group of uh, people who are working and their work brings them close to people who have COVID and puts them at risk for the infection themselves. And that has been the hospital uh, care, uh, the hospital workers uh, as well as home care workers and other people who are involved uh, at the clinic level to, to talk with people face to face that puts them by virtue of their um, by virtue of their occupations at high risk for getting it. And if they get it and spread it to the other people in their work, it takes down a part of the healthcare system that makes us less capable to respond to those who are sick. So that that ethical principle was the basis for developing the tier system in California. There's been a lot of criticism of it but it has served an incredibly powerful function. In addition, we, all, we want to look at uh, people who are the most uh, exposed and the most vulnerable from the point of view of uh, other uh, occupational exposures. And, uh, and so in the next phase, uh, they look at people like teachers, at agricultural workers and food service workers, uh, people in restaurants, um, restaurants are very high transmission uh, risk places because people are there. They can't wear their masks. They're eating food. It's a very high risk situation. And uh, agricultural workers have to work uh, shoulder to shoulder. We certainly don't want our food uh, sources to dry up. So as the uh, as the risks to the as the highest risk people in the community are vaccinated, it will come down the ladder to the to the lesser and lesser, the people who are less and less at risk. And so people will be, eventually it will open up, but we want to make sure that when the supply is very scarce, that we're using it in the best possible way to protect the most vulnerable 
and the most um, in, uh, essential people in our communities. Right, and you guys are doing a great job of getting them in people's arms. I know you're not the bottleneck, so. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call. Any idea how uh, the new administration in Washington is going to affect those efforts? Is it way too early to tell? I mean, I know that uh, President Biden was talking about setting up sort of testing sites in communities that that are federal testing sites and you just show up there, maybe flash your ID and get yourself a vaccine. Is that is that in the future? Well, I'll tell you what, it sounds like the Biden administration is going to listen to some scientific advice (laughs) and uh, that will be a big plus. They're putting a lot of money into testing and into uh, vaccinations. Uh, It seemed like the Trump administration was doing a lot, but we got to, I think, a week and a half ago, and uh, uh, we were told that the reserves that they supposedly had are are not materializing. Um, So I'm hoping that uh, the new administration will improve the uh, not only the uh, production, but also research. Um, and there'll be a lot more money coming down to the, uh, you know, to local departments so we can actually have the staff. And it will be a national effort. That will be, make a big, big difference. And so data collection is going to happen. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, clunky to have data collection along with just flashing your, your driver's license, but it serves a purpose. And, uh, and I think, I think it will be a, a much improved. All right, let's take our last call. We just have a minute or so left. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hi there. I by I think I lucked out and had a good experience through a clinic that was very organized and knew what they were doing. And here's what happens. I live in Casper on the coast, so I go to the Fort Bragg uh, Coast Clinics, and, and, and I'm a patient there for certain things. I also go to the Anderson Valley Clinic, where I've gone for years. I heard on KZYX that Anderson Valley was going to be getting some vaccines, so I simply picked up the telephone because I don't have computer access, and I called them, and they said, this was so intelligent and satisfying to everybody, they said, well, we don't know exactly when we'll get the vaccine, but we're registering people now. What is your age? What is your name? What is your age? Have you been a patient here in the past year, et cetera? And so by telephone, I got on their list. Two days later, they called me and said, we got the vaccine come in on Saturday. It worked like clockwork. It was so simple. And I, I really have heartfelt sympathy for everybody who says, I don't have a computer. Why do they make it so complicated? This was not complicated and wonderful. All the people I know who have gone to their private doctors say, oh, my doctor says I couldn't get it until maybe April because they don't have the proper freezers. They're not sending vaccines to individual doctors. They'd rather send it to someone in larger numbers who will vaccinate a whole bunch of people. Anyway, it can be done simply and hats off to Anderson Valley Clinic, which made it so simple and it was so effective. It can be done. <laughs> I just wish, I wish it would happen more. Oh, thank you, caller. Thank you for that. That's how it's supposed to work, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. it was great. I mean, I think I lucked out because when I called, they said, oh, the person doing the registration is busy can she call you back and i said no i'll wait i waited for eight minutes i happily waited for eight minutes because i wanted i knew i needed to get through then and there or maybe i wasn't going to so anyway 
um, hats off to Anderson Valley Clinic. All right. Hats off to Anderson Valley Clinic. And I'll tell you, the other clinics, uh, as they figured out and they learned from each other, I was just on a call at noon with all of the clinic representatives in the county, and they're all uh, learning from each other, and they're all doing a great job. The reason the county is doing so well is because the clinics are doing so well. I do want to say that um, the, uh, the clinics have asked that we inform the public to not call them for the vaccines. They're really going through their electronic records themselves, and they're finding the patients who are, who are eligible, and then they're calling you in. The problem with everyone calling in is that it jams their lines and it makes it even harder and harder and harder to, um, you know, to, for them to work and for them to get in touch with people who need to be contacted to schedule their clinics. The process is new. The, the pandemic is new. The vaccines are new. Everybody is learning now. We're not experts. And so your, your criticisms and concerns and your desires, uh, you know, and, and everything else uh, is is taken into consideration, and we very much appreciate them. But please have some patience. The clinics, if you are a member of a of a clinic, will get in touch with you. I feel pretty confident about about that now. The other group of people whose doctors don't have the vaccines, um, let me explain one of the uh, some of the things you already mentioned. In order for the vaccines to be distributed safely, we don't want to waste them. So they have to be to uh, providers' offices that have the proper refrigeration. And they have to be in a program which, which, uh, um, which confirms that they can handle the vaccines correctly. Many of the private doctors have not been able to do that. I was in that situation uh, when I was practicing medicine uh, several years ago. And it's a lot of hoops to jump through, but it's to protect the product. Um, however, what we're working on now is uh, going to those primary care providers who do not have the vaccine and we're going to work with linking them up to the clinics so that people who are out there and are patients of doctors who don't have the vaccines in their office will also be called when, uh, when their eligibility comes up and they'll be directed to the appropriate clinic or it may be a hospital, but someplace where they can get their vaccine. All right. So working, is that, you said you're working with Dr. Theron Chan to close that yes. gap? Yes. Wonderful. Well, on that note, let's uh, we'll say goodbye for the week. We'll talk with you again next week. Dr. Andy Corin, our public health officer from Mendocino County, Adrian Thompson of the, the Mendocino County Vaccine Task Force and Becky Emery of the Department Operations Center. I just just before we go, though, I want to put into context Mendocino County is doing great with the vaccine relative to the other counties, right? I mean, I've heard that other counties maybe haven't even gotten their vaccine progress off the ground yet. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, it's it's correct. They're in the two to five percent range and we've distributed the vaccines to at least 10 percent of the people who are eligible, who are over 18 years old. So we are doing great. And I got to say, it's no one person. It's all of us working together. All right. So yet another reason to be grateful and, and glad we live here in Mendocino County. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you Have a great weekend and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. And this is Alicia Bales on the air with you again for another Friday edition of our COVID-19 updates. Um, yeah, one of these months we won't have to do this anymore, but 
we're getting there. We got the vaccines happening. We got we're still in a surge. We're we're looking forward to schools reopening in the next couple of months. <sighs> so stay tuned. We'll be here with you throughout. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.